because I think the idea out there is that like, oh, you just get to know each other and nothing's like intimate anymore. Like there's nothing new, but there's still a lot to learn and we're changing and having mm -hmm. life experiences. And a lot of people feel alone, like they're the only person struggling with this relationship problem. And it's like, no, like, oh, I'm the, we're the only marriage that has conflict. Mm -hmm. Everyone else looks so happy. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 <laughs> they're all faking it. Like they're putting on a mask. Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean, and this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couple Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. Everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Jason Gaddis and his wife, Ellen. Jason is host of the Smart Couple podcast, founder of the Relationship School, author of the book, Getting to Zero, and is on a mission to teach people the one class they didn't get in school how to do romantic relationships. I want to thank you so much for joining us today on our podcast, Jason Ellen. This has been, uh, it's really a, a, an honor for us really to have you guys on our show today. Oh, it's nice to be here. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's nice to be here. So before we get into the work that you do, Jason, um, maybe you guys can start with how old are you and how long have you guys been together? I'm 49. I'm 48. We've been together, married 14 years, together 18, I think. Yes. Off and on with some breakups. Breakups before the marriage. Yeah. <laughs> and we have two kids. We have a 10-year-old, almost 11-year-old daughter and mm -hmm. an almost 13-year-old son. Birthdays are coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Busy, busy teenagers then. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's been busy it's since they arrived. <laughs> we're realizing, we're like, oh, that fullness lasts till they, they leave, I think. Can you tell us the story of how you met? Sure. Do you want to start? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we have a mutual friend named Katie, and Katie was very influential in getting me to graduate school. Um, we worked at a wilderness therapy program together, and she happened to be friends with Ellen in graduate school, and I wasn't mm -hmm. there yet. I was still mm -hmm. uh, not, I was still lost, basically. <laughs> yeah. We, we ended up going to the same graduate school. I was two years ahead of Jason. And so she introduced us when I finally got there mm -hmm. um, my first this, semester. This mutual friend of ours, Katie, yeah, introduced, introduced us. In the hallway outside of one of her classes that Ellen and her were in. Mm -hmm. And we didn't start dating till more than a year later. Yeah. About a year later, actually, because yeah. it was the fall. How did you know that this was your person? <laughs> That's like a great question. I, it's, I'm, I'm still thinking of the thing you said in your intro, actually, about creating the relationship of your dreams with the person you fell in love with. I just, I love that because that's, you pick your person and then you build something 
worth living into, you know? And how did I know? Like, we went through a couple, like Jason was saying, we went through a couple breakups. We had kind of a a rocky first few years, I guess, really. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of question. Like, we, we were in our early 30s, so we, I don't know, I'd had a good amount of relationship experience and kind of knew, I think I knew that I would have, I would I wanted to be with you long-term yeah. over time. And, but it was rocky. We couldn't commit. Yeah. I, I didn't know. I was not clear. I was still had a lot of fantasies about relationships that I was working through. Mm-hmm. And, um, Ellen was, I like to say I was sort of dated girls prior to meeting Ellen and Ellen was like the first woman I started dating and it was very confronting because she sort of met me and would challenge me and support me in ways that no one ever had and I was starting to open my heart and learning how to Mm -hmm. learning how to communicate responsibly and it was all new for me it's all new and I was sort of trying not to pick people that need that were like a major work in progress so I was like I think I want to be with you, but are you actually really ready? And, you know, am I, is this, is this going to fit? And so I think that we, I knew really right before we got engaged because that's when, that's when I think we both had a big shift right before we got engaged, we'd been broken up and I got really clear that I wanted a, a full commitment and I didn't want to just, just fuck around with like, are we or aren't we? And I just, we'd already done that for a few years. And I was like, we're either committed or we're done. And I got really clear that that was the right choice for me. And then somehow in that, you got- Your clarity helped push me into clarity and I didn't want to lose you. Mm -hmm. And so at that point it became really clear that I wanted to marry you and Mm -hmm. asked you. Yeah. And we, we had a lot of good, strong things about our relationship that was really good. There was a lot of good, good stuff in there. It was just, we were just not clear about long-term commitment and marriage. Like we were both not. You're anti-marriage. We were kind of anti-marriage Oh. because we just, neither of us saw marriages that were inspiring. Like I was like, I don't see anyone married that looks happy and fulfilled and psyched. Like I, that's how I felt in my twenties. I was like, why would I do that? It looks like people seem miserable and not connected. So I think we, we both, at least for me, I'll speak. Like I had to get to a point where I was like, I, I can create a relationship that's inspiring over time. I, that's what, that's the only thing I would want. And I think mm-hmm. that was probably true for you. Totally. How long were you guys dating before you got engaged? It was about three years. Yeah, just yeah. over three years, I think. Mm-hmm. And during those three years, I mean, what was that conversation like that you went from, you know, not believing in marriage to you know, getting <laughs> engaged? So like, we were kind of not into marriage, not into being parents or having kids. And like, it's like the best part of our life now is like our marriage and family. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't interested again in marriage. And I, I was sort of I had just started therapy and all this deep work on myself and I was in a master's degree in, to study psychology, mostly to study myself. And um, in that process, we started dating uh, near my what second year. Yeah, you're right. Kind of in the middle. Yeah. And um, I it was just, you know, everything was so eye-opening and new, and um, but it was disorienting. And so to like claim I wanted life partnership and wanted to just settle down with someone was still really scary for me. And mm-hmm. 
And so we would, I proceeded to break up with my now wife here, Ellen, twice, but mostly because I was just scared, honestly. Like looking back, I was just terrified of feeling trapped and also terrified of intimacy. And I didn't, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then once I started feeling the potential loss of her, I, I was like, no, I actually, I want to, I, I saw that relationship was like a path to growth, personal growth and transformation. And mm-hmm. when I saw that, because that was a high value of mine, when I saw that, gosh, there's so much possible if I just lock, lock it in here with her, then I was a, pretty much a hell yes. Yeah. And I think I, after three years, I realized the, like that it was draining to not to be have been with someone that long at that stage of my life and and still not know if we were gonna be moving through time together like to still not have certainty and not that just getting married is like now we're certain we're done like it that I mean you're I think you're building a good relationship all the time that you both want to live inside of um but I I just realized I was like we're either in or we're out and I I was, I finally owned that I was willing, that I wanted a committed relationship. And there'd been a part of me that, that hadn't wanted to own that, that, that I really wanted that, that I wanted to be married and that I wanted a commitment like that. Mm -hmm. I had been just resistant. Like I was like, I'm more alternative than that. I'm, I can think outside the box. And I think we have a outside the box marriage in the sense that it's, it's really enjoyable. So <laughs> it was thinking outside the box. It just was in the in the box that I was scared of. I think that's such an important concept that, you know, it's like when you first are pregnant, you understand there's going to be sleepless nights and diapers, but you don't understand how much that isn't going to matter because you're going to love that child so much. And right. when you're seeing the work of relationship and the the disconnect of some relationships, yeah, why would you want to risk that and open your heart and be vulnerable and uh yeah, and I think that um I think a lot of times women get there first. A lot of the couples we see, it's certainly the woman who's like, I'm done. You're you're not stepping up and then he goes, Wait, okay, I'll start working on it now. <laughs> exactly. The fear of yeah. loss motivates us guys sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, that that would be that's a whole conversation itself of why why that is or why we because we see that too that mm-hmm. I, I mean I see women seem way more willing to do the work of staying connected and and having an inspiring partnership and I think men just it's almost like they don't know what that even is or something but that's a whole nother conversation mm-hmm. of course I'm overgeneralizing but I know what you mean no I, I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. on the, on the on the money there you know Jason when you're talking about finding relationship as that path to growth. You know, I think a lot of men never get to that that place and that realization, or they don't get to that realization until their partner has the ultimatum, you know, of leaving. So I, I was wondering how you came to that realization. Was it just kind of self-reflection or, you know, did you have guidance to get you there? Yeah, well, I was already in therapy, so I was already looking at myself finally, because prior to coming to graduate school, actually, I was blaming all the women I dated. I was just pointing the finger outward. I never was the problem. And now I was finally saying, okay, I'm the problem. But it was just really confusing for me. So I, a number of factors kind of led me to ultimately being a yes. Um, and one of them was Ellen's internal commitment to herself. Like, look, I'm in her. I want all in or I want to never talk to you again, basically. That was huge. Um, and then I had a powerful therapy session with a therapist that said, 
you know, it's possible you're going to feel kind of ambivalent about being in a relationship for the rest of your life. Like there's going to be some times where you want to leave. And he was sort of make, normalizing that and saying that that's okay. And that was freeing for me because I thought I'm supposed to want to be all in 100% of the time. And I had that sort and, of... And always want to be close or always, always be together. And, and Yeah, and I was like, wait, yeah. it just left room for the part of me that wants distance and space. and Wants to um, be an individual. Wants to be an individual and not lose myself. And, and then yeah. um, I was also on a meditation retreat that was a month long. And a lot of it was in silence. And um, Ellen had written me a letter that basically said, um, you know, I was... I was, uh, I had kind of a fantasy woman in my mind that I was sort of pursuing in my mind. Like, eh, I don't know, I, I might have something going over here. And, <laughs> and she just like wrote me a letter and just called me out pretty hard. And I had a month to sit with that letter, you know, mm. virtually in silence. And every day that retreat went on, the more I agreed with her letter. And by the end of the month, I was like, okay, she's, she's pretty on the money here. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a miracle, really, that it <laughs> <laughs> I think it takes for women, uh, I would say maybe for girls, a long time to have that type of relationship with yourself where you're not willing to compromise anymore. I mean, we're so domesticated to take care of and give right. that we don't stop and say, wait, I don't like how I'm being treated. <laughs> yeah, it, it took yeah, me a right? while. And I got what was cool is when I when I got clear, I was totally clear. And it wasn't about trying to get something out of him. I, I really was like, this is where I stand and wherever you end up doesn't really matter. Actually, if you, if you want the commitment, great. If you don't, great. Like I'm, I know what's right for me now. Mm -hmm. And it, it did take me longer than it should have for sure. Yeah. I think that is a natural part of the growing of women. Yeah, I did this one talk and, and I was talking about the stages and I was like, when, when you're in the maiden stage, you know, it's like, pick me. Mm, and then yeah. when you're in the mother stage, it's not about me. And mm. then when you get to the queen stage, it's all about me. And mm. I think that is a really sacred place for women to get to. And like you talked about, grow through relationship. It, it, to us, it's the highest form of spiritual development you can have is mm -hmm. being in a relationship with someone who you really expose yourself completely to. And I think the ultimate goal is that focus of everything else goes away. Mm -hmm. And I think when we're younger, we're like, yeah, where's the options? And what, yeah. what, what yeah, can I get? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. I like that. Totally. So how, how, what kind of things did you guys struggle with in terms of coming together as a couple and a married couple and shifting this whole philosophy of an alternative life to, okay, I want to actually do some work on this and, and find value in it. Yeah. Well, I think we've, been asking all along like what do we really want like even when it when we did get engaged and we were planning our wedding we we really planned we planned something very different in the end than what anyone else we've known has done like we we really have sit down and think about like what do we want things to look like what would be inspiring for us what would be meaningful for us you know like we got married out in the wilderness with just the two of us days out into nowhere um that was really what we wanted yeah. <laughs> so that we still just love that we did it that way and you know things like that like i think we've been asking all along like even when it came to having kids like okay how do we do this in a way that 
that, that we both could get on board with and feel really psyched on. And we, we have to keep asking that. And even, mm-hmm. even just like our day-to-day life or how we divide up the household chores, like all of it, we, we end up having to communicate a ton. And I think we, sometimes it's like tiring how much we have to talk about <laughs> because yeah. we, because we want to collaborate a lot. Right. It's very collaborative and, I think that that's just been part of it is that we really ask and look out, ask ourselves and each other, like, what do we really want? What what do we want this to look like? And how can we make that happen for ourselves and Mm -hmm. each other? You you mean you guys work on your relationship on a consistent basis? What? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, imagine that. that. (laughs) You mean we don't work on it and then we're done because we got to some happy summit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think from the start, we, we both had communication tools because we were both training to be psychotherapists and that was uh, that training was invaluable um, Mm -hmm. to become a better listener basically and better communicator and yet we still struggled we'd go in loops and Mm -hmm. and we couldn't figure out how to repair after a conflict and it was a lot of like analyzing I'll speak for myself I was (laughs) analyzing all the things she did wrong and putting psychological frames on that and that was really fascinating to me and I think we just got more efficient over time and yes. we kept refining our view and we kept refining the tools mm-hmm. and we kept learning and studying from the best people yeah. in the world and studying attachment and studying neuroscience yeah. and interpersonal neurobiology. And, and we keep studying. Yeah, we're still studying. I mean, there's so much to learn. And, and I think studying like a relation, a long-term relationship is really a different beast in a way of how do we keep because because we sort of I think we keep like refining and working on more and more subtle layers and sometimes even more vulnerable it like feels even more vulnerable than ever right. at times right. to be to some of the stuff we're trying to work through mm-hmm. and help each other with and work on like it's yeah. amazing how it's, I think I'm just impressed at times how like gosh even though I've known you 18 years like this feels what we're doing right now feels like really hard or really vulnerable Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think the idea out there is that like, oh, you just get to know each other and nothing's like intimate anymore. Like there's no, there's no, nothing new, but there's still a lot <laughs> to learn and we're changing and having mm-hmm. life experiences. And, uh, so I think that being willing to keep learning and staying yet, like you said, um, Ray, like just keep working on the relationship over time. Yeah, I think that's really an important point that most people don't really know, you know, that each relationship is very unique, you know, as, as you yes. guys know, the, the couple personality, right, is yeah. that when a couple comes in the room together, they become a, a completely separate entity than each of them individually. And so, yeah. you know, it's that unique relationship that is always evolving over time. And mm-hmm. if a couple isn't working on it consistently, then you know, it's going to dissipate, it's going to disintegrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's really awesome to hear that, you know, that point that you guys brought up. Mm-hmm. I was reading earlier today, um, a book by Carolyn Mace, and she was talking about, uh, we're a mystery to ourselves. Like, do you really know yourself? Do you know your full potential? Do you know your purpose? And you know, you talk about that discovery, you know, you think you're with a person you've been with for so long that you're not going to learn anything. You don't even know yourself well enough. So you're always discovering yourself and sharing that with someone. And I think that's the thing that people don't understand the variety of that. I mean, the person I married 
24 years ago is not you. It's a very different person. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not that person that I was back then. So how do you guys balance like individual growth versus couples growth versus family growth? Maybe not versus, but. And business growth. And business, yeah. Yeah. Right. Because it's all, it's all, we're so different too than. Yeah. I mean, I I think the, the simple answer for me is that we have this growth development oriented mindset and we're, Mm -hmm. we see kind of everything in our field as an opportunity to learn more about life and ourselves and relationships. So whether it's in the business where I'm getting, you know, schooled every day and like something I didn't technically sign up for, like, I just want to help people with their relationships and I've got to learn business. (laughs) You know, it's been such an ass kicker for me, but also very helpful for me to grow and develop Mm -hmm. in ways I never would have imagined, you know, just like a partnership. Mm -hmm. And then kids too, the kids are always unearthing parts of myself that I didn't, wasn't aware of or haven't healed or, um, so it's, it's, um, I I would say that just having that growth view kind of attitude right everything right and and i think added in there is a view that like jason's growth spurs my own whether it's getting Mm -hmm. clearer on a boundary or it's like wow if if you're going in that direction i'm gonna i'm being asked to then go in this direction and would that's would that serve me am i interested or um you know like there is we're so impacting each other all the time and so i think that there's been some, maybe even some luck involved. I just want to acknowledge that, that like our own individual development as parents, as, um, you know, practitioners and individuals, we've continued to be able to find the ways that we're each served by that. And our relationship is served by that. And I, I could see how you one day might change and grow in a way that no longer is part of our you know, could be outside the bounds of what we want our relationship to be. Like, like that's mm-hmm. possible. And we work really, like, it's just really worked that we've really been able to just sort of go with whatever has shown up and, and find something worth leaning into in it. Yeah, and we're, we're both committed to, like, the other person being fully who they are. Mm-hmm. I would never want Ellen to do something for me that would lead her to betray herself or right. be out of integrity for her. So, yeah. So I wonder, yeah. like, as we're talking about it, I'm like, God, I wonder if just that commitment to each other and each other's growth and, and wanting, not wanting anyone to betray or shut themselves down or do something that isn't in their best interest. Like if that has just pushed us to find what would work for both of us mm-hmm. every step of the way, um, because, truthfully, I feel like together we've, we can grow, we grow and develop so much more. And we're both so interested in that, 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 that you would think that, oh, there's this risk of two people, like they could grow and change over time. And then, and then like that could lead them apart. But my experience has been, it's it's only brought us more together and, and made Made us, made us stronger. So that's just been our experience. Well, I would say then that that's beyond just luck. You know, that's a lot of hard work (laughs) and a lot of growth together and a lot of uh, exploration, right? And honesty and being able to kind of talk from where you're at in the moment, you know, as you move through life together and evolve together. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, you know, the stages of a relationship are always going to change. 
you know, given the different factors and, you know, different challenges that we all face as, as couples. Uh, we always say that, you know, every relationship ends. Yeah. We just don't know how or when. And so yeah. if the goal isn't to stay together forever, you know, then what is the goal? The goal is to, to learn from each other, yeah. right? And to grow. Yeah, I think there is um, for a long time a fantasy that, you know, those things could be dealt with pretty logically, you know, I'm going to grow, maybe we're not such a good fit. And I, I, I had that experience, you know, when I turned 50, I decided I was going to walk a thousand miles. And part of that included the John Muir Trail, which is a 22, 200, 200 mile 200 hike. Miles. And he was like, well, you're not going alone. So he starts joining me. And about a month before we were supposed to leave on the John Muir Trail, we were on a hike and we were had been in the Philippines and he got uh, an infection in his foot and we went up to devil's lake in wisconsin and he couldn't do the hike and he sat back and i went by myself and i got to this peak and it's overlooking a lake and it's really beautiful and and it was in that moment that i was like there is no way i can go without him because i was like well if, if his foot's bad i'm going anyways i'm i'm sticking to my commitment i'm doing my thing okay. and i and i just knew in that moment that if i had that experience without him it would destroy us I couldn't even, I couldn't have even been able to talk about what I experienced on the John Muir Trail, knowing he didn't experience it, you know, and it was, and for me, and I grew up very much like on my own person, I'm not getting too involved here, you know, keeping yeah. my safety up and I'm not getting so vulnerable. And it was, it was that really big shift that I was like, oh crap, you know, I, I can't get out of this without a boatload of pain. <laughs> Wow, and cool. yeah, and it kind of drives you and it really, it, it really takes till that stage of, you know, how much memories do we have together and, and to have to consciously choose, am I going to not have this one? And that was eye opening for me, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that that is the place, right? The selfishness place. If you are being your best self, I think that is what's best for the relationship also somehow. Yeah. And if it's outside of that, it's probably not your best. Would you say mm -hmm. I would guess? Yeah. yeah. Where we are anyways. We we did end up going, by the way. We did <laughs> did it. Did yeah. Jamir Trail. Yes. We did 180 miles of it and And we still hike pretty regularly. That's why we got a place in Colorado and Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. I love mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So me, your comment there made me just think about people who I'm sure you see this in your practices where someone isn't growing and the other person starts to grow and their their metaphorical hike is they want to go hike this the thousand miles but it's the thousand internal miles or whatever they want to like really get to know themselves and how what a cool frame that is to say i don't yeah I, i'm i want to not leave this person behind and have the person that's feeling left behind say i don't want to be left behind i want to come along for this hike for this mm -hmm. ride and uh, i think that's a, a powerful reminder probably for the listener that um you know, especially if it's in the best interest of this could actually help us. This could create a, a memorable life experience for us. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it's sad that sometimes the other person doesn't want to come on a hike. Mm -hmm. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. So how do you go to, um, to start the relationship school? Like, how does that come about? Well, the short story is I got tired of complaining that there is no class. Um, 
you know, in high school or college on relationships or conflict resolution or communication that's actually about interpersonal communication. Uh, and so I started a school because I started seeing repeating patterns and I was also wanting to get out of the one-on-one -on -one work with people and I wanted to reach more people and I, I knew that if I, and I had been experimenting with men's groups, I'd run men's groups for years. I was in men's groups, I'm in a men's group now. And there's something powerful about a group experience over time where people hold each other accountable, like CrossFit, for example, where you cheer each other on to get in shape. Um, I wanted to create a, you know, a school that ran off the school year that started in September and went through May and people just took class, but they had to practice relationship skills for nine months. And I knew that if people did that at the end of nine months, I think that they would have a pretty life-changing transformation and that, that ended up being true. That is, that is awesome. Yeah. There's not much out there when it comes to <laughs> teaching relationship skills. Mm -hmm. yeah. Even in even in our field of being trained professionally, yeah. there's not a lot. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, I think with social media and podcasts and like there's more, but um, like what you guys are doing as well, like trying to disseminate this amazing information that we get from being clinicians or, you know, practicing and working with people. And uh, and yet there's still, it's what I think is so awesome about the relationship school is that like, there is this sort of coherent put together process that mm -hmm. you've put together and, and walked people through. That's very integrative. And so it is, it is cool when we're trying to help people have something more than just some tools here and there, but actually something, a, a developmental process really that people can walk through because that, that's really, I think what, it, what really good, good relationships over time require of us is mm -hmm. this, our ongoing development. It's not just like, well, what can I do when you're upset? <laughs> it's like, there's a lot more to it than that. Use your I statements. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. You see how well that works, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, are like, don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> that developmental piece has been a really strong part of what we've discovered in working with people and being in a relationship. You know, and it's like if you think of a, a child, they all kind of start out the same, right? They pick their head up, then they roll over, then they crawl, then they walk, and then they do gymnastics or they play football or they do a whole bunch of things. And I think when you look back at, well, at least my grandparents' generation, like they did the 40 years at a job, got the gold watch, retired. She stayed home and had babies and he went to work and that was their life. And, and they didn't even think beyond that. They didn't even think about, am I happy? Am I fulfilled? Do I care? You know? Right. And then, and then it got to my parents' generation where they, they followed their same pattern but I always wondered what would have happened if my mom wanted to work or my dad didn't or wanted to change or something. And they followed the pattern. And then my dad died fairly early. And then I remember thinking, well, I don't want a life that looks like that. I don't, if that's what marriage is, that's not, that ain't me. I don't want that. And I think now today we do have that responsibility of how do we create this and design this? And, and it, and it's so difficult to do that as an individual person with your own life. Yes. Let alone with another person and all their whole history and wants and desires and stuff and, and, and come together and create that. And I do think it takes a lot more sophistication for couples to even dream it, 
right? What's the dream? The number one reason older, uh, longer married people break up, they, they lost their common vision, mm. right? There's no, there's no future that they both see together. Mm. And, you know, that part of that dreaming and developing is so important. And it is education. It's not even like, you know, you're just blazing a trail. It's I don't think it's out there, really. No, especially with the changes in our society mm -hmm. today, you know, all of these new factors that couples have to consider in their relationship. Yeah. You know, back in the day, you could survive on one income. You know, now you, you can't. And given all the challenges that COVID has brought us now, we're all needing to adapt mm -hmm. and pivot. I mean, we've had couples that have been locked in the house together for the first time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so they, they've had to learn, you know, new skills of communicating and conflict resolution and, you know, traditional marriage counseling. I think most people don't know this is has the worst success rate across the board of all therapies, mm. you know, because of the fact that it really hasn't evolved. You know, and it is really kind of stuck in its own ways. And, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that the work that you guys are doing and, you know, kind of, you know, learning within your own relationship and then being able to bring that, you know, to the ever evolving couple today, that's, that's really what's needed out there. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. And then if they're raising a family, then they can model how to do all this stuff with their children. And it mm -hmm. goes a long, long way to have relationally literate kids, you know, in this yeah. world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that in the work that you guys do with um, the different generations and <laughs> the different mindsets that they have based on the times that they were raised in and what they need in terms of relationship? Yeah, yeah. We were just with my parents and they're, they've been together now, what, 56 years, years or so, which is impressive. I, I wouldn't want to live inside of that marriage um, because they do a lot of compartmentalizing and stuff, but they're they're kind of sweet to each other and and yet they've never worked on themselves they've never self-reflected and gone to a therapy session or done any kind of coaching or read a relationship book and they're trying to read mine but that's another story um you know and i think that generation in general just didn't have access and so it became really familiar to you just kind of suck it up when things get hard yeah and you kind of grin and bear it or you just you have your techniques to get through it or you or you don't make it and that's fine but yeah. now we have access to any tool imaginable and that's also part of the problem i think it's like decision fatigue there's just so many choices now to right to work on yourself and your relationship and right there like it's it's almost like there's there's that you know our parents generation is one extreme of just like well this is just what you do and this is how it is and you just keep going and then uh and then there's this kind of i you know i see people now i see people like just kind of ending relationships and I'm like wait you you guys are great <laughs> like you guys are pretty good <laughs> you're lovely people you there's a lot here and people just they get to a hard place and they're like it could be easier elsewhere you know there's we're so willing to mm -hmm. to shift gears which again it's important to have that option um but now it seems like you know people don't know how to you know, we still don't know how to create what we really want. I mean, whatever the generation is. And I think that that is really what we try to help people with, you know, almost every couple is like help them vision together. What do you, what do you actually want? What kind of relationship mm -hmm. do you want? How do you want to handle each other? How do you want to deal with conflict? How do, what are your um, agreements that you, that will help you be the best people you can be and have, you know, cause like you said, relationships are, 
um, I don't know, very personal or each, each relationship's unique. Like everyone, you can have what you want now, but we don't even know, you know, people yeah. don't even have a map or an idea of what that could look like. We have our old maps that don't fit our modern current situation. Absolutely. When you guys were talking, it reminded me of when you were talking about your parents, like they had too much resilience, totally. <laughs> too much tolerance. <laughs> and now we don't have enough. Yes, yeah. I see and, that. And it's like that sensitivity that allows you to have that introspection and to potentially have a deeper connection also <laughs> makes you so sensitive. You can't tolerate the difficult stuff. Yeah. 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 And then with social media, this sort of instant gratification culture, that's, it should just feel good all the time. It should just be fun all the time. And mm -hmm. it's like, no, where, what world are you living in? Like, mm -hmm. this is, this is work here. You know, we actively work mm -hmm. on a relationship. And I think the other factor here is that Esther Perel talks about and Eli Finkel, I think has, it is, is the pressure of the modern marriage to like mm. meet everybody's needs and be this all end all be all. I think that is mm -hmm. a factor that, that um, I'm up for that because that's what I want it to be. But um, mm -hmm. a lot of people, I think that feels too tall of an order. And so they're like, look, if I want to get my emotional, if I'm a man and my wife needs to get her emotional needs met by me, let's just kind of agree that I'm not going to be that person. You go to your girlfriends for that. Mm. You know, you go to your community for that and we'll just have our relationship, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that can work for some people, but I think it's, I think it's missing the, mm -hmm. like a deeper emotional bond in that example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I would say it can work for people for a short period of time. Yeah. And then at some point the relationship, you know, demands evolution. Yeah. 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 Agreed. And I think too, um, you know, when you look at the differences between the masculine and feminine brains and, you know, our different emotional needs, uh, over time that changes so much that it really becomes the same. And we've interviewed couples where the guy is the stay at home dad and the mom is the breadwinner and their brains flip and he becomes much more intuitive and emotional and bonded and connected and can read his kids and what they need. And, you know, she comes home like, let's uh, go, go to the bed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's funny and it's, it, and you hear it in them and I, our brains are that fluid. And, and I think when you're done raising kids, so we, when we started, we, I already had a child. So our entire marriage was spent with, raising kids, kids yeah. until five years ago, five years. Yeah. And then we became empty nesters. And then it really got interesting because you're spending, you, you know, if you think about just phys physically, we're eating the same food, we're sleeping at the same time where we work at the same place, you know, so much time is together that, I mean, like our brains became almost the same brain where if something that I would do would hurt him, it would hurt me and vice versa and it, we certainly didn't experience that before no when when the kids were here and it's an interesting thing because you you get to this other place where it feels like when when you're in in the nuts and bolts of it right the building a house and raising kids and paying bills and doing business and then like those things become like better because you've just been doing it longer i guess and you don't have as much stress and then this other thing emerges and it really is just like this develop another developmental level that is 
well, there, there's a potential. Yeah, yeah. There's a potential for that developmental level when you become empty nesters. And, you know, a lot of couples, they don't make it through that stage. Yeah. Right. They don't learn what they're supposed to learn and, and grow. They get to a point that they're like, well, we've been doing this for the past 20 years with our kids and now we don't know what to do. Right. So yeah. then they look at each other like strangers and they go their separate ways. And I think that the hormones too, you know, they make you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, what was the, what was the lever that you think couples need to get? Um, if there was one tip for the empty nesters, what are the, mm-hmm. what's the thing that helped you guys? So we, we see that as a potential for like a forging, right? So when you're forging a sword metal, you know, you're getting all the impurities out of that. And so this is a, a processing of a lifetime of wounds, emotional wounds that you have carried throughout your life and have not really had the chance to really process it because the focus has been on career and kids and getting them to their 15 <laughs> extracurricular activities. And, you know, and then now it's just the two of you. And so you have this space and time to be able to to really process everything that you have learned along the way about relationship and intimacy and sexuality and, you know, and the pain that comes along with it. Mm -hmm. I think that early on when I was starting in menopause, I, I would describe it as everything that you went through in puberty is coming up for healing. And what I realized at that point was what I, what I thought was true back then, but I was told wasn't was true that I was right all along and it no longer became an option for me to go against myself, Mm -hmm. I would say. And so then you're calling yourself on your stuff and you're calling your partner on your stuff. And that's the impurities coming out, like all the, the domesticated belief systems and that kind of stuff. And, um, I would say that was the biggest piece was really finding your own trust in yourself and your truth and your and your belief in in who you are and what you feel and what you think and saying those things out loud Mm -hmm. and however messy that comes up our most listened to podcast is the late night fight (laughs) 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 and that's you know that's part of the deal you have to face that pain and and learn how to heal each other Mm -hmm. right I love that. I yeah. it's I feel just really curious hearing about that that phase and and how you guys met that, you know, met what was being asked, like the the next level of healing and integration, you know, and processing, you know, a lifetime of raising children or and and whatever came before that still was unmetabolized, you know, that that there's another opportunity to to assimilate and work through and process that. It's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, it's that I, I think like, you know, you, you did your month long silent meditation retreat, you know, we both have done, you know, like 10 day ones and it's huge. That's, that's a game changer, but you don't get that kind of time at every stage of life. Right. right? And so that in during the middle of it, he went and did his 10 day like in the middle of my, <laughs> I call it um, like it's like phasing like a Hulk, like you're turning into the Hulk all the time. (laughs) And, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that happens to you. It's not something you 
try to make happen. Right. And you're just, you know, it's kind of incredible, the intensity of it. I, I think being aware and going through it, you know, like, you know, my mom would say she didn't really go through anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there, that's more of that too too much tolerance, mm-hmm. right? not enough. Gotcha. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. If, yeah, if you're open to it, it looks like, it sounds like there's just a lot available to you if you are open to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and men go through their form of menopause as mm-hmm. well. You know, maybe it's not as, you know, marketed with the testosterone drop or anything like that. But, you know, there is this, Carl Jung talked about that morning of life and afternoon of life, right? There's this shift of looking at what was important in the beginning of your life and early manhood to now this shift to what's what's left and what's next in your life here. You know, what kind of legacy are you going to leave and, you know, what's truly important. So, you know, can you guys talk a little bit about, you know, with having kids now and, you know, you have almost uh, what you have 11 year old and a yeah, 10, 10 and 12. 10 and 12, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so what kind of challenges do you guys face now um, versus in the beginning of the relationship? And kind of what, you know, suggestions do you offer parents that are in the same position you guys are in now? Well, I'd, I'd say the biggest challenge to us as a couple now is just time. You know, since having children, it's having time to just focus on each other and tend to each other and our relationship, that mm-hmm. that's been it's just a whole new muscle to to exercise is to to get that time create that time have you know hopefully have energy when the time comes like all of that Mm -hmm. and i think we've learned that we just have to prioritize our relationship and each other and there there were times when our kids were really little where we i think went months without a date or you know we didn't have childcare, you know things like that but i think you know, as they've grown and they have more, um, they're just more routine. You know, it's it's just as essential that we have yeah. time every week, and that's yeah, just, that's probably our that's one of our challenges. Our, I'd say so too. Because we love and we also love being with our kids and parenting. So, so we're we, not trying to get we're not away. trying to get away from that. We're not like God. Oh, it's so good to get away. We're like, oh, I wonder what they're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> look at this picture I took of them today. Like it's around our date, you know, like, so we have to sort of work. Let's talk to, about the kids for the first 30 minutes yeah, we and get, then no more. And then we got to move on. <laughs> but we prioritize, um, you know, we all have the same amount of hours in the day. And a lot of couples will just say we don't have time, which is just a cop out, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's about how, how do you carve it out? And we've, we've had a couple tough phases over the years, but I think we've for the most part done a really good job of regular date nights or some kind of an experience we're together mm-hmm. and now it's like twice a week yeah we have two kind of time blocks during the week mm-hmm. um, one when the kids are in school and one like a date night kind of in the weekend mm-hmm. sometimes it's just a, it's a hike or a picnic or it's yeah, whatever it's we, morning you know night yeah it doesn't on have Sunday to be morning. evening yeah. um, and that's that's uh, essential for us because mm-hmm. right? sometimes if in stressful weeks as you guys know the you can go the whole week and like oh where, where are you or who are you or what, what's going on over mm-hmm. here and if there starts to get a backlog um, of things we haven't processed or talked about or something, that can mm-hmm. that can add up, and then people can start to avoid even more, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, time is probably our yeah best. yeah. It's super important to us to be clued into each other's inner life, and so that you know, parenting and business and just being in the full phase that we're in is yeah. You know, we have to 
make time for that. And I think our we do our kids. I think we see we try to model what we're you know wanting them to have in their life. So I believe they see uh, two parents who love each other, respect each other, mm-hmm. get along, work through things when they're difficult, and they see us just treat each other right, you know, mm-hmm. really well. And that's hopefully what they're going to do and what they're going to expect in their life, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of couples they don't spend that time together, and when we ask them about quality time, they say, "Oh yeah, you know, we went to this restaurant the other night, and you know, we brought the kids, and we had quality time." <laughs> uh, no, no. And we watch our shows together. Well, we watch our TV shows together. You know, yeah, we we'll go to a movie. Yeah, so it, it's you know really helping people redefine. You know what that really means time with your spouse it's not mm-hmm. just talking to each other about the logistics right you know, like you guys said you know the specific amount of time for kids and then after that no kid talk right yeah and so they they don't really know what that is and you know that challenge of not having daycare that's or child care that's that's a huge challenge for mm-hmm. a lot of couples and it really is you know we used to have community you know where you know there were elders in the community that were able to help out and you know join together and help young couples go through these stages but now a lot of couples are really alone yeah yeah Yeah. they're alone in their home and and that can get stressful as hell yeah you know as you guys know so and then everyone ends up just kind of wanting space but like what i think so often is we actually need like quality connection we need like real contact connection Mm -hmm. and uh that's true for me. Like sometimes I'm like, I just want to be alone. That would feel amazing. And then, but I realize I've, as I've gotten to know myself over the years, I need connection first. I need to feel known and understood and, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, connected. And then, then my alone time is actually more restorative because I've gotten those, that sense of connection yeah. with you, especially, yeah. you know. So, yeah, we can get a little lost in what we think we need like i just need to get away but we kind of really need to go in more i think some of some of the time yeah i think that um it's almost like you have to educate people about what they really need yeah in terms of themselves to want to work on the relationship yeah so what are some of the main reasons people do come and work with you guys or come to the school I mean, pain is still the biggest motivator. Being in relationship pain. Yeah, being in some kind of relationship pain. Mm -hmm. Divorce, about to have a divorce, affair, Mm -hmm. too many relationship failures, patterns where things didn't work out. Um, Yeah, and and people, somewhere in there, they get motivated, right? They're like, okay, this isn't... And they see that they have a part in that. They're like, I want to change this. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's the biggest... um, reason is some kind of relationship pain. And if I were to get specific, mm-hmm. what would you say? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's also people who come to the school just because they want to grow and learn and, and, and mm-hmm. relationships are, are already value. a high value yeah. and they, this is what they're into. And, and so there's that too. And mm-hmm. we've all had relationship pain. I mean, we don't, none of us gets, <laughs> gets away without that at some point, but some people either come in kind of with a lot of carnage behind them or they come in really 
on the front edge and really are like, I want to build, proactive, yeah. they're proactive. Like mm-hmm. I want to do it different than my family. I want to, um, provide my kids something, you know, more mm-hmm. substantial than what I got. And, and they're just motivated to, to learn and grow. That's, that's, what's cool about the schools. It's, I think with therapy, um, a lot of people come in in quite like when things have been bad for a long time and, and it is a lot of, it's a lot of work to get out of that. And I think with the school, because it's like education, we, I do, we do see people who come in sooner because they're interested in learning versus interested in just getting out of pain, you know, mm-hmm. dealing with the train wreck. So what would you say to someone that would, was contemplating coming to the school? Yeah, I'd say if you like to learn and grow, um, and that's a, that's a value of yours, uh, and relationships are important to you, and you see relationships as key to your kind of overall life fulfillment, um, this is a great place to train and learn and become a much better communicator um, for yourself and for the people, you know, in your life. Uh, and we, you know, our kind of our signature course that we call Relationship Mastery is really about three things. It's becoming a better communicator, it's liking yourself more. Um, community, just, you know, a lot of people feel alone, like they're the only person struggling with this relationship problem. And it's like, no, like, oh, I'm the, we're the only marriage that has conflict. Everyone else looks so happy. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> they're all faking it. Like they're putting on a mask. We all struggle with this stuff. So I think um, another cool thing that separates us from like therapy is that you get to learn in community and Therapy can be such a silo project where I'm just in my closet still hiding my mm-hmm. relationship problems. And I'm like, no, don't let shame run your life. Like, let's come out of the closet, metaphorical closet, and learn together and um, grow together. And I think it's a really powerful thing to do in kind of a group context. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We definitely believe that as well. It's probably the premise of starting the podcast mm-hmm. and yeah. bring yeah. everyday yeah. couple stories, you know, to the general public. Yeah, nice. totally. People need to hear People that. need to hear the real stuff. <laughs> so last question. What is it that your partner does that you know they love you? There's a lot of things, yeah. actually. Like, yeah. I'm, there's so many gestures and ways, I mean, that you, things that you do for me, towards me, that, that show me that. But I mm-hmm. think probably the most powerful one is just how you look at me. That like when I'm talking to you or when I'm, even when I'm upset with you, <laughs> and, uh, you know, that you just make room and are interested and mm-hmm. care. And I can, I can see that in your eyes. <laughs> Mine is probably when you, I feel loved by you when you um, reach out physically. Uh-huh. And also the way, deep ways in which you take an interest in my life, which you do every day, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And what I'm. What's going on in here? There's, <laughs> There's a lot high. going on. <laughs> yeah, so, that's good. Yeah, that's beautiful, guys. Mm-hmm. So, if uh, people, our listeners, wanted to, you know, learn more about the relationship school and, and about the work that you do, Jason, how would they get a hold of you? Yeah, relationshipschool.com. That's the easiest place. The podcast is there. Um, my new book is there. Uh, if someone wants to take a conflict quiz, um, that's kind of on the front page to, 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 excuse me, to determine their conflict style. Lots of trainings and resources for people. Awesome. And we'll put all that in the show notes mm-hmm. as well. Jason Ellen, we want to thank you so much for being on our podcast today. This has been really wonderful for us to kind of 
you know, consult with you guys too. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Our pleasure. Yeah. This has been fun guys. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you. You know, sharing stories is ways that human beings have been bonding and healing and growing since the beginning of time. We hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. I want to wholeheartedly thank all of you for joining us and listening to Couple Synergy today. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs, such as the Home Study Course, Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who can benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.